<laughs> anyway. All right, so let's start up. Uh, let's look at Mark. Want to hear something cool? We don't really know who wrote the book of Mark. Some people speculate this, this, and this, but you know something? One of my favorite Bible teachers named Chuck Missler, he thinks that uh, it's actually Peter's gospel that Simon Mark wrote, penned, penned, and Peter dictated it. Do you know that? So go back and read Mark and read it through the eyes of Peter. So either way, we know it was somebody. This is a firsthand account. We broke it up in a chapter and a verse in the bottom, and here's where we're at. Mark 7, 24. If you can't see that online, I don't know if you can. So, oh, by the way, hold on. We've got a brand new website, too. Take a look. It's smoking. Do you see this thing? Dope. Anyway, so spread that around, norwoodfmc.com. So Jesus left that place, and he went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and didn't want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, comma, <laughs> as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. Next, please. The woman was Greek. She was born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, to their dogs. Hmm. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying in the bed, and the demon was gone. Okay. There's a lot in this today. Number one, you need to understand something, in my opinion. I'm, who am I? Okay. But there are, there are actually demonic spirits that are in the world. That's just a fact. Now, you don't get, got to get all Hollywood and cast demons out of doorknobs. Not everything that goes wrong. You know what I mean? I've actually done that. I was on that pendulum swing. The bathroom locked me in and I thought it was dead. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. It's wildly embarrassing. But, um, but in the same sense, too, you got to understand we have an enemy, a spiritual enemy. That's not just the enemy. No, literally, it's a fallen angel. Okay, this is a problem. There are demonic spirits. And sometimes they are behind health issues, mental health issues, uh, poverty. Sometimes they're behind that. Get with someone who knows the stuff and talk about it. I don't know. But in this case, what I want to focus on here is a few different things we can learn as a church and as individuals. So first things first, we need to understand this. I'm going to come in hot a little bit today. One thing you see in the Western world in their study of ecclesia, study of the church, is the Western church has become quite anti-Semitic in some ways. It's absolutely true. If we want to see who Jesus clearly is, I want, to, I want to drop a bomb on you for a second. Jesus was not a Christian. Do you understand that? Jesus was Hebrew. He was a Jewish man. And so this is what happens, though, when you live uh, anywhere in the world, okay? You start to see through the lens of, of your world. But that can be really damaging. Dustin's getting me. That could be really damaging when you're talking about creator God who's outside of every single box you could ever put him in. And I'm telling you what, our best lives and our best faith comes through seeing things in truth, not, okay, let me just, let me just kick it straight, not northern New York, white guy, this poverty, this economic system, that's our Jesus. No, don't do that. Inner city African Americans, don't think he's an inner city African American, he's not. Do you understand what I'm saying? See Jesus for who he is, let him be all that he is, the unstoppable God. And the only way you can do that is by smashing through the preconceptions you invented. Let's do video number one. Let's, let's do this. This should be uh, enlightening. Oh, those were those pictures. We'll get to that. There it is. Yep. Perfect. Let's see what he talked like. What was his language? What is known? Let 
titsalonmere da fecum. Caverdi hente he won a havin locum. Matabdina. That's what he sounded like. That's not our language, is it? That's not our culture. Those are not our traditions, right? He didn't see the world the way we see the world. And notice I'm not putting any value statements on this. I'm just saying, break open that box. Because we just looked at something, didn't we? We looked at uh, something go down that we don't understand between a Jewish man and a Syrophoenician woman. We don't understand it quite yet. But again, that was his culture. That was his language. And I need you to understand something. What he just said to that Syrophoenician woman is, um, the children got to eat first. And she recognizes what he's saying, and it's this. The Jewish people were the chosen people. They came first. And as much as we, in the Western world, I mean, you go down in the Bible Belt, you see monstrous buildings, and it's beautiful, and all this, and worship, and all that. No, we were grafted in, dude. We were adopted, and to understand our creator God fully, we need to understand where we come from and our origins. We have to do that. It's true, absolutely. Romans 11 speaks of, of that we are called the chosen, but the Jews are called the remnant. This is a big deal. Because of unbelief, some branches were broken off and blah, 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 but we become ethnocentric, like I said sometimes. Our style of worship, our buildings, we even fight over, this is, this is what I'm doing here for a second. So Jesus spoke like that, Lots of the guys in the Old Testament, Elijah, Isaiah, and these guys wore turbans on their heads, okay? And we're going to fight about organ music versus guitar music? What? Give me, that, give me that Maasai tribe. Let me show you how stupid that is from our little ethnocentric what we like. Let me show you this real quick. Next one over, yeah? This is a prayer to God. Let's see how these people worship. lesser than unstoppable God up here well come on yes or no is that any lesser than um, so I'll cherish the old rugged like grandma used to do is grandma's better than unstoppable God is unstoppable God better than no I almost showed you the Maasai warriors who get up there with spears they stand face to face with the other warriors and they jump as high as they can they just jump to God is that any less or better than what we do here well, then how come we've had fights about, but I like hymns, and I like guitar, and I like a man, that's what I want. I want Lion King worship up here, and I won't, I won't attend this church until you do If it's not here, I'm not coming anymore, and I'm not going to tithe to this church ever again. Now do you see what that box does? How stupid. When Jesus spoke like this, that was his language. That's words he spoke. Do you think he would sit there and go, I like it more Brad Paisley style than Chris Tomlin. Now you're laughing. Good, good. This is what this is what we 
what we see what happened. A Syrophoenician woman, a Greek woman, and a Jewish man. This is what we see. Let's not white up the truth. <laughs> Let's not do that. So with that frame of message, I, I'm framing the whole thing today through that because it has to do with trunk or treat as well. Back to the text. A Greek woman, a non-Jew, comes and begs Jesus, notice, for the one that, he, that she loves. And Jesus lays out the truth. Notice that? You, it might look harsh, but right, he's laying out the truth. He's going, me? Uh, okay, first off, he's, you gotta know he's, he gives her some credit for walking up. Because you're not gonna go to someone who can't give you what you need. In other words, right, if Bill's broke, I'm not gonna go ask him for 100 bucks, right? So she sees Yeshua, that's his real name, or Yehoshua would have been, anyway. So, and, and says, please, please, please. And so he obviously sees the faith, doesn't he? But he says, let me tell you the truth. I didn't come for you. There's a plan for you, Paul. Yeah, there we go, good. Down the road. But listen, the kids gotta eat. She goes, yeah, 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 but the, don't the dogs eat what the kids don't? And he's like, ah, oh, that faith? Absolutely, and he blesses her, right? But here's what we need to see, guys. This is a woman. This is a woman. Guys, rewind. Women were property back then. Don't, don't white it up. Don't western it up. And it wasn't right. Jesus was the first one to say, woman, you are equal. You are of value. Woman by the well, Syrophoenician woman. Women weren't even allowed to talk to men. You understand that? They couldn't go places with a man. They couldn't touch a man. Do you get that? But Jesus meets her needs. Example number one he sets for us, right? Again, stop whiting up the church. Jesus elevated women. Not anybody else or any fake religion. Jesus did that. He set up charity, I told you. The Romans didn't give a crap about charity. The Romans were all about strength and honor. And he set up benevolence. This is Yeshua. This is Jesus that we worship. So here's the thing, guys. She would have been considered kind of an untouchable. She was Greek. She was a non-Hebrew. I forget what the word they use. Goyim, is it? Is it Goyim? There's a, there's a word like, ugh, non-Hebrews. You weren't supposed to go spend your money there, okay? You weren't supposed to leave the Jewish people. That's the prodigal. He went and spent his money elsewhere, so they were going to do the Kizaza ceremony and cut him off. This is a woman. This is a person. So here's what we do. He's talking to and serving someone who's less than, who's dirty, okay? She's an unlovely, and yet he loves her. Yes. So what's interesting is this. That matches, of course, it needs to totally match our vision for his church, for this church absolutely need this is our model reaching out and looking out for all the lost the broken the addicted the messed up the doubters and ceos and engineers and white collar people and master's degrees and doctors you can't have you can't have both you can't have one side or the other we do that though don't we we start looking for oh bring us your lost and broken give us your intellectually deceived too Seriously, why not? Bring your lawyers and doctors in who are worshiping that stuff. Don't, don't go on either side. See what we're doing today? I'm excited about this. Bang, 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 bang. All these boxes, we're, we're just breaking out of them because Jesus is way too big for any of those. I love how he does this. I love how he does this. Now I want to talk a little bit about us, who we are. Because uh, some of you don't know, and that's okay. That's okay. But we are free Methodists. We are not Methodists. When you tell people you go to a Methodist church, you just lie to them. No, you don't. No, you don't. You go to a free Methodist church, and I'll tell you why this is important. I'll give you some history and how it ties into what we, what we are. This is our legacy in our history. It is important to understand the shoulders you are standing on and the sacrifice you're sitting in. I didn't pay for Bruce's chair. 
I didn't. People that came before me got this building for us to worship today. And they probably didn't sing Unstoppable God, but they love Jesus. And we're here and able to affect the North Country because of the sacrifice other people have made. And that's why it's important. Your lineage and, and, and all that is important. And I hope you know I don't step on that. I've made a lot of changes in two years just to fit who we are, but we do not forget what came before us at all. At all. So here's what we are. Ready? Why Free Methodist? I took it right off the site. There's a Free Methodist site. You want to know? Here, here's the, the rundown, and it's in, in our denomination's own words, okay? Um, one thing. I feel sometimes when done incorrectly, denominational walls just separate people, and I don't like that. But that's not what I'm doing today. Instead, I'm trying to give you something good about this, okay? The Free Methodist Church was organized in Pekin, New York. Did you know that? New York. Huh. August 23rd, 1860. The first bishop of the new church was Benjamin Titus, or B.T. Roberts. He was a champion for equal rights. You want to know what we're doing? Want to know our legacy? You ready for this? He was a champion for equal rights, especially for women. That's what we come from, okay? He was a writer, publisher, Christian educator, and holiness preacher. The influence continues on, and in 1860, the free and free Methodists emphasized basic freedoms found in scriptures. You want to know what those are? Human freedom, upholding the right for every person to be free. In 1860, denying the right of anyone to hold slaves. Five years before it was nationally abolished. That's what you're sitting in right here. That's what it was, 1860. And what did I say, August of 1860? And the, the United States didn't take a stand for five more years. And you ready for this? He was a Methodist. He sat in churches and Methodists, and then Methodists started charging you for your seat. Oh, guys, this is historically known. Yeah, you had to pay for your seats. And the, the more you paid, the better seat you had. So you know what he did? He said, I'm out of this. Forget this noise. I almost swore. He went across the road and said, yeah, we're Methodist. Free Methodist. You don't have to pay to come in here. And people went, sweet. <laughs> That's what happened. Why do you think we're called free? It meant money. It really meant money. But it also meant free to worship. Women, free to be equal. And also, African Americans, you are not lesser than. And five years later, America got the hint. But these are the shoulders we're standing on. That's why you don't say you're Methodist. You're not. You're not at all. I love this. Why do you think I joined? I was the most anti-denominational person in the whole world. I was an evangelical free guy. But anyway, well, other things as this, guys. Freedom and openness and relationships and loyalties so the truth may be spoken freely. You're avoiding vows of secrecy. Back in the day, there were vows of secrecy walking through churches and stuff. And he said, no more. We're not the Masons. This is not going to happen, Okay. Um, biblical authority, that's a huge thing. Oh, freedom from materialism in order to help the poor. Freedom of lay people to be fully involved at all levels of decision making. Do you, Brenda, do you, what, did you go through a course to come up here and lead us in prayer? Shaner, have, are you licensed to play guitar? No, no, right? That's what the freedom is, that you, you're free to do what your gifting is. And we're free to see them all as equal. Even the guy who mows the lawn, Bill. Ha, <laughs> he's great at it, did it all summer. I feel like I haven't recognized that. It's a huge sacrifice. That's a terrible lawn to mow. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, biblical authority. Listen, another thing, we don't, listen, as free Methodists, here's what we do, and especially as long as I work here. I don't care what culture makes legal. You think I care about that? No. We're free to look at the Bible and say, that's truth. And culture can change all around us. And it does. Hello. But we say, and really, whether we like it or not, truth is truth according to Jesus Christ. We're free to continue to be who we are. Not try to bring people in by changing, well, I didn't really mean that, or, you know, this is now allowed. It doesn't matter. Because remember, his language and what he said, and it hasn't changed. So we're free to, to stick to the Bible as well. So, um, 
this is our legacy. Lots of sacrifice to get us here. I wanted to tell you that. So that's, I mean, isn't it cool though? That's who we are. That's who we are. So anyway, back to our text. We see Jesus reaching out and despite the truth that I showed um, that he sent to the Hebrew first, he does what he always does and commands us to do. He loves, he reaches out, and he meets needs. You gotta see that. You've gotta see that. And he says, because of your answer, because of your heart posture, it can be met. Now, faith, I say this all the time, but you can tell your friends and loved ones, um, faith is a choice. Faith is not a destination you arrive to. The first message I ever gave at Stonegate in 2011, I think it was, was the Indiana Jones metaphor. Uh, I played the Indiana Jones where he takes that leap of faith. He's going for the Holy Grail. You can't see anything, but then there was something there the whole time. <gasps> How many people? What, is that not a good metaphor for our faith journeys? Well, Jesus, and then what about this other system? And Grandma was really mean, and that guy across the road said that, and all these, and Christians seem to fight each other all the time, and, but I see you, Jesus. Will you be my Jesus? And bam! Wow, you really are, you're right? And it, it, just, it just happens, it's crazy. That's faith, and that's what she does. She comes up and says to him, will you please? And he says, yes, because you've chosen to believe that I am who I, I say I am, obviously by asking me of this, it's done for you. It's a heart posture, that's nice. There's a lot we can learn from that. There's a lot we can learn from that story, you guys. But again, the greatest thing, before we move to the next story real quick, because I do, I wanna look at the next, slot, next scripture here in a second. We can learn this. Your job is to meet needs. He didn't ask her her morality, did he? He didn't ask her what political party she voted. He didn't ask her what denomination she was from. He simply saw a need, a vicarious need, and said, I have the power to meet it. I'm going to meet it. And so my main point of today is that's who we are as a church. And if that's not who we want to be, there's lots of churches you can attend in Norwood and Potsdam area, but that's who we're going to be. We're going to meet needs with whatever we have, okay? Let's look at the next one. Guys, when you're reading through the Bible, just a piece of advice, not that I'm some hot shot or anything, but look at the stuff that surrounds that. Let's look at the very next story. I think we can learn from this. Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre, and he went through Sidon, through the Sea of Galilee, into the region of Decapolis. There's some people brought him, some people brought him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to take, begged, that's the second time that showed up, by the way, to, to, to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, then he spit and touched the man's tongue. <laughs> he looked up to heaven with a deep sigh said to him Ephatha or Ephephtha <laughs> which means be opened at this the man's ears were opened his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly can we go back a slide I just saw something I want to show you and don't worry we're not going late the Packers play at one that's why I brought the bike because I'm a lot faster on the bike I'll dodge raindrops I want to show you something really quick look, look at the where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Some people brought him and he took him aside away from the crowd. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears, spit and touched the man's tongue. Where was it? I just saw it. Hold on. Okay, next one, I guess. Uh, looked up to heaven with a deep sigh. There it is. There's the beauty in that one. I wasn't even going to talk about this. He looked up to heaven and with a deep... It's poetry. It's beautiful. It really happened. But you know what that deep sigh is? He's looking at a man who never got to hear his wife's voice or hear his children say Abba, which would be Daddy. Can you imagine that? One of my favorite things in the whole world is Daddy. That's one of my favorite things in the whole world. Music. I love music. And not just the vibration. I love to hear music. And you know what Jesus just did, guys? This guy that we worship, the one who sits and meets needs like we talked about, he sees this man, and even though Jesus created him with his very fingers, 
the sadness and, and suffering of that man was not missed by Jesus. Don't you love that about our God? Oh, there's fire on the mountain, but he sighed. Like, ah. And I almost feel like it's one of these things like, boy, you guys really jacked this whole thing up. And now you're suffering. The plan's in place, but man, I hate that my kids are having to go through this. Be opened. Be opened. But don't miss that, guys. Shortest phrase in the Bible, you all know it, Jesus wept. But don't miss the, the subtle ones like this. Our suffering never gets old to Jesus. And just because this one's suffering more than this one doesn't make your need lesser. Okay, I saw some head nods. That's good. Let me just hit this real quick and then quit it. So one day, metaphorically, my brother walks in. My dad's sitting at the table. My brother says, hey, dad, um, my job is really... I think I'm going to lose my job, and if I lose my job, I'm going to lose my house. And Oh, man, says Dad. And then I walk in and go, hey, um, I was thinking about joining this sports team, but I'm not sure if I'm good enough. And, and my dad says, AJ, your problems don't matter because his are greater. That's not what he said. No way. That's not what a loving father does, right? Whoa, come here, buddy. We'll talk about that. You get all of me, and you get all of me. So just because there's starving kids in Africa, don't think Heavenly Father isn't listening to your prayers for your cat or dog. Don't do that. He looked to heaven and he sighed. He empathizes with your car trouble. He empathizes with your family trouble and what your kids are going through and your fear about your ex. He empathizes with that. That's who we serve. Some of us was raised with that. Well, there's so many people have it worse than I do. Don't do that. You wouldn't want your kids to do that, would you? Well, I don't want to bother you with it. Bother me with it. I'm your dad, right? I'm your mom. This is who we have, our Heavenly Father. Okay, so real quick, here's the thing too. Who brought this man? Other people, right? Your job is to say, come and see and bring people to Jesus Christ. That's your job. Number one, we're to be Jesus, absolutely, but you got to bring people to him. You are the bearers of the light. This is going to sound crazy, but y'all love when I get hippie. Y'all got spirit. You are spirits, right? And the best thing we can equate that to is the fire, electricity, lights, not your body and your brain, which will rot in the ground as we know. But you got, oh, remember when I did the candles? Holy Spirit, fire, touches, boom, and all of a sudden, well, guess what? You got to bring other people to the light, to see the light, You're, right? You're the light of the world. Well, get them to meet Jesus by saying, come and see. They brought this deaf man. Number one, he couldn't bring himself, right? Probably. We don't know, but probably not. Some people, guys, are so lost in their disbelief, so lost in their hurt, so lost in their, what their ex-husband did or that priest or that they can't get there. You get them there. And I don't mean here. Come see AJ. No, you're missing it. To see the light inside of you. To see that Jesus is the one who sighs, that loves us, whether we're 13, whether we're 35, 66. He has a plan and, and a purpose for us and we're loved, right? That's what we can learn from this story as well. Now, I want to show you another thing too. He spits and touched, he sticks his fingers in his ears, spits and touches his tongue. Do you know what we do as humans though? <laughs> if someone hears death, the temptation would be, well, you got to spit, put your finger in his ears and touch his tongue. Am I wrong? That's what people do. And Jesus never healed the same way twice. You want to know why? Because it's not about the form, it's not about the ritual. Right? Do you understand that? I'll tell you a really funny story I heard yesterday. A very well-known preacher you, I don't care if you cared it, who it is, but he was jacked up and he was in depression. So he went home <laughs> and this isn't funny. I shouldn't okay, get serious. So he, I know how the story ends. Um, he went home and he was just totally in despair. So he stuck his head in the oven and turned the oven on. But it was an electric oven. 
I'm not joking, but listen, that's not even a joke. I'm not making this up. But while he was in there, he's like, this, he didn't put that together till it got hot. You know, like, ah, I'm sunburned. But, um, so I'm not joking. This was in the 70s. So he's in there, but he honestly, he's like, this is how low I am. And he had, somebody had shared the gospel with him, the good news of what Christ has done for us and that we're all loved and we can be forgiven. And he just remembers it and he goes, all right. I mean, I'm ahead in the oven. He goes, Jesus, you know, all right, come into my life. You're my only hope. And sure enough, boom, like the Indiana Jones thing. He, he realizes, he gets out of it and he goes, oh my gosh, I, I, I feel that now. You guys know, you've been there. The day you open up and everything changes and everybody says to me, I feel lighter. Everybody always says that. Of course you are. The weight of your sins and transgressions off you. Well, his buddy comes over also a depressive sort of addict. And he's like, something's totally different. So he tells him the story. And the guy's like, wow, I want that. He goes, good, get your head in the oven. <laughs> I swear to you, and he did. He's like, do you feel it? Do you feel the presence of Jesus in there? I do, I do. <laughs> it took him a while, but he realized it had nothing to do with the oven, right? But that's what we do. Listen, Jesus meets needs, and he never does the same thing twice because guess what, guys? And the reason I keep hammering on this music and who is Jesus and all this stuff is because ritual always banishes Jesus, and Jesus always banished ritual. Ah, that's good, Elaine. I need you. That's good. We don't like that. We like to cling to the things that we think no work, and, and then we put God right in a little box. Spin around, wave this hanky, say the certain prayer, and you'll be healed. No, it's not how it works. Only the power of God heals. Only the power of God will change your spouse. Only the power of God will bring that marriage back from the brink and heal the, those wounds and take that memory, that memory that you know you hate thinking about will heal that. Not something you do. And that's why Jesus always did that. Else, elsewhere in John 9, 6, he spits on the ground, makes mud with it, with his saliva, and anoints the man's eyes with mud and heals him. Magic spit. No, you're missing this. You can spit on the ground a thousand times. It's not going to happen. Most of the times, though, he just spoke. But other times, he did different things. He never healed the same way because, again, it's not about the motions, not about the ritual. It's about the one praying. It's about Jesus. And for you guys, as we're getting ready to close, another thing we can learn from this story is this. It's the one hearing the prayer that makes the difference. The one we're praying to. Well, I'm not a good prayer. 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 I'm not good at prayer. Prayer has one qualification. You want to know what it is? All my years of study, I'll tell you what the qualification for prayer is. Honesty. I'm not joking at all. Uh, we were talking about this, and I flipped open the Bible, and I saw, How long, O Lord, will my enemies chase me? How, be not far from me, O God. And then the next one, this is, I almost said bipolar. This is manic David. Oh, Father, you are so worthy to be praised, and I love you, and I worship you. Right? That's David in the Psalms. But what was he, a man after God's own heart? He ripped open his chest and said, you could take whatever I've got to say. Honesty. Lord, um, my, I don't know what my wife needs. Help. Amen. Cool. Just as good as thou art, wonderful Lord. Really? Really? It's totally true, guys. This teaches us about prayer, that it's not about what you do or what you say. It's about the one hearing you, and it's about whose you are. We've talked about this. It's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. Okay, when we get these things, I'm putting it together, put it together. When we get these things, the first one, who he really is, when we get it and we realize it has so little to do with us and our preference and how we feel that day, when we get that it's about who hears us and whose power we have inside of us, we start to understand things like impossible things in your name, they shall be done. I just got to get out of the way. Because you're you and not me. You're not white. And you don't live in Norwood. And you don't care about the worship style. And you're talking to Mumbuku in Africa as much as you're talking to me. And it's so much bigger than me. 
you can heal that cancer. You can break that addiction. You can bring that marriage back. Do you see that? All I've done today is, okay, a magnifying glass takes something small and makes it big, but a telescope puts things into perspective the way they should be. Takes something big and brings it into perspective, right? We gotta stop trying to magnify Jesus. He don't need that. You need a telescope. How big he is, you see him for how big he really is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense, Bruce? Magnify him into where he's actually supposed to be. Okay, so short bursts of very good prayers. One last thing I want to say is this, kind of. I'm feeling the pressure here. I said something last week that I want you to understand. He delights in us. I showed you the scripture. He delights in us. And I told you, they'll, they'll leave here early, probably, Melanie and the kids. They'll go home and they'll be sitting at the lunch table. I will have been away from them for an hour. But you know that when I walk in and those kids look at me, it makes my heart jump a little bit. That's me delighting. Hi, Bubba. And of course, they're busy and they don't care. They're too cool for dad. Don't Mickey Mouse or whatever. That happens. That happens at the house. Dude. Um, <laughs> I delight in that. Anybody else delight in when you, mama or dad or your grown kid, you see his name on the caller ID or huh, don't your heart jump a little bit? That's Father God with you. When it comes to praying, don't you want to, huh, she's talking to me. That, what do you think? That's God with us, guys. I don't care if you're out there on the hunt or something like that, right? And you're seeing nature and you're just like, what a beautiful day, Father. Hey, you hear that? Kirk just talked to me, right? Oh, this is good. This is good, guys. Okay, the last thing is this. There's power in Jesus. There is power in Jesus. He still heals. He delivers. He repairs relationships. He provides. He moves mountains in our lives. I think I have another slide. We're not here for good worship. We're not here for funny preaching, good food, good networking, whatever. That isn't going to do anything. Only the power of God changes things in our lives. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, and, but God's power. You know, I love that we did this wall. I love that things are, are changing and looking nicer. I think we're called to take care of what he's given us. But we're never going to try to put on a show. You're not going to see smoke machines here. We're going to do everything excellently. Well, right? But that's a thing, right? The coffee bar is literally just because y'all might want coffee, not because we think it's going to make people come here. Honestly, guys, most of the places in the world, Bruce, keep me honest, most of the places in the world, when they meet Jesus, they'll walk 10 miles, won't they, in India. And they want Ed to preach, what, six hours on a Sunday. Here, I'm Nancy for the Packers, right? They'll, they'll sit there at windows and go, tell us about Yeshua. Tell us about Yeshua. Hope? Hope? Right? There's power in the Lord God. It's not about polish and saying the right thing. So when you're talking to the people you love, the Syrophoenician woman, the deaf man, don't worry because it's not about you. It's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Do you know something, guys? Aside from pastoring, more people talked to me and gave their lives to Jesus when I was a new, new, new Christian. And I didn't know squat. I just knew what God had done for me. And I tell you, I told everybody. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But it was the Spirit's power that did that. So what is the Bible telling us? The Bible's telling us this. Despite our specific culture, we need to see Jesus for who and what he truly is. Don't make him like you in, in your mind because you'll limit him because of your limitations. He is who he is. What are we going to do? We're going to love everyone and push the vision we have for this church harder than ever before to love everyone and serve people. Understand? in a North country that is riddled with opioids and depression and, come on guys, and poverty and addiction. That's what we're doing. The city on the hill, isn't it cool that we're up on a hill? Remember Debbie said that? This little church on the hill that's gonna shine the light? But you do that in your life too. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna reach out to all the lost people in the communities, families, and workplaces just like Jesus did. And last thing, what are we gonna focus on this week? 
we're going to focus on coming up higher, each and every one of us, seeking and believing in God's power to move the mountains we have in our lives.